Okay. I'm going to put everybody in the panel. Mm -hmm. I mean, as attendees, and then as you're speaking, I'll bring you up again. Okay. Perfect. Okay. Yeah, no Melanie, you're on. Yeah. Do we mute ourselves, Gigi? Yes, ma'am. Okay, Angelica, you still have everyone on. Oh. Lakeisha, did you wanna go ahead and start with that? Okay. Share my screen. I'm having a technical difficulty. One moment. Uh, can you guys see my screen? No, we can't. It's not. Try it now. It's not working. Oh, there we go. There we go. Jesus. <laughs> we can't hear it, Lakeisha. Lakeisha, put it, put it in sound. Or I got you, if you want to take it off. Someone said they had baby, but nothing else. Lakeisha, do you want to take it off and let Angelica play it? <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, it was, that was crazy. <laughs> I'm sorry. You want to take over? Give me screen rights. Should have it now. I'm 
Angelica, it doesn't seem to be working. We can move forward without it. It's okay. <laughs> Angelica, let's move forward without it. Without it. It's okay. <laughs> okay. Melanie, did you want to go ahead? Good evening and welcome to the global virtual panel of domestic violence survivors. I am Melanie Ake, the founder of Everyday Leaders, where I bring together people and celebrate them to develop their beliefs and create strategies to overcome everyday obstacles in life. I am so honored to be your master of ceremonies for today's global virtual panel for these domestic violence survivors. Our host, Ms. Regeline Gigi Sabat, has organized this event to help you understand that domestic violence and abuse reaches beyond the stigma that it carries with it. Today, we will hear from expert panelists from all over the world who will share a brief story of their own journey in all areas of their life. You see, our lives, gender, financial capacity, all of these things we're going to learn about and encourage you so that you may take the next steps towards healing and empowering your own life. Gigi? Thank you, Melanie. Hi, everyone. First and foremost, thank you all for being here today. And thank you to our speakers and our sponsors. I truly appreciate you. My mission for this event is for us to help as many people as we can. It is important now more than ever to raise awareness in regards to domestic violence. And for these reasons, this panel has both men and women to teach you more about domestic violence and what domestic violence is, because domestic violence is not only physical abuse. Domestic violence is any behavior, the purpose of which is to gain power and control over a spouse, partner, girl, or boyfriend, or intimate family member. And yes, narcissistic character traits are connected with the abuser. Now, domestic violence also includes emotional abuse and violence, financial abuse and violence, narcissistic behavior, PTSD, and domestic violence intersects with the LGBT community. For these reasons, the speakers on our panel today are going to share their stories with you. Now, at the end of this event, we encourage you to sign up for our domestic violence discussion group. The domestic violence discussion group is for all attendees of the global virtual panel of domestic violence survivors event today to continue to discuss domestic violence in a safe place after the event. No one should feel alone. Therefore, I'm going to put the link in the chat now for all of you to join our discussion. Thank you, and I'll turn it back over to Melanie. Thank you, Gigi. I hope you're all ready for this wonderful event. Today's first speaker is Amber Ann Lyons. She's a leader of the Young Leaders Club, Global at World Women Conference and Awards, Domestic Violence and Youth Advocate at World Women Conferences and Awards and Atlanta Team, Chairman and CEO at Youth Speak Out Podcast, Ordained Elder at Spirit and Truth Worship Center, and Founder and CEO from Pain to Purpose. Welcome, Amber, and thank you for sharing your story. Good evening, everyone. Thank you for having me here today. I want to thank Rajaline Sabat. I want to thank um, everyone that is in the room today. Um, I am, as I've already been introduced by Melanie, um, Amber, Amber Lyons. I'm the founder and CEO from Pain to Purpose Incorporated, which is a domestic violence and teen dating violence awareness advocacy organization located in Stone Mountain, Georgia. 
Um, I do sit um, in alliance with my World Women of Conference and Award sisters that are here with me today and that I'm joining. And our host and visionary today, Regulene Sabat, she is actually um, in our Florida, the leader of our Florida chapter. And Lakeisha James is our Atlanta chapter leader and our founder, Reagan A. Snake, is, is here with us today. So it's exciting to be able to be the domestic violence youth advocate for the Atlanta chapter, as well as the global leader of the Young Leaders Club for the World Women's Conference and Awards. I am also a published author um, of Wake Up Winning No Matter What Because Losing Is Not an Option, volume one, where I have co uh, collaborated with 20 other authors and my son was uh, also co-author with me. I am a mother of two, three children, two adult daughters and one adult son, and I'm a proud grandma of four grandchildren. I'm also um, not just a domestic violence survivor, but I am a thriver. Um, a thriver is a person who comes out of a dark place in their life, which I emerged from, to be able to not only champion the cause of domestic violence, which Rachelie uh, um, um, outlined so greatly, um, but to actually help pull other people out of that place of pain to educate our community, to uh, be able to educate, empower, and encourage those in the community in regards to those issues of teen dating violence and um, domestic violence. We focus a lot on the youth because we see so much violence in our youth relationships today. And we want to get them before they get into a domestic violence situation with an intimate partner um, um, in a home life marrying someone. So we teach them about how to be valuable. You know that you're valuable. I had to deep, dig deep down in my own life and come out of a dark place of being in a, a marriage that was filled with various types of abuse. Uh, as we heard tonight, spiritual abuse, financial abuse, there's sexual abuse. Um, not just, we focus so much on the physical, you know, even in the news and the media, everything's about the physical. If you're not, you know, someone's not making it to the news because someone sh was shot or someone was killed, then they make you feel like you're, if it's just verbal abuse, that's insignificant. Nothing really happened. But the Bible lets us know that the, the power of life and death lies within the tongue. You can literally kill someone with your words. So we teach our young people, we teach men and women about healthy communication, how to have healthy relationships relationships, how to come out of those abusive patterns that have held us captive. Domestic violence is a generational cycle, and it is our job as advocates to be able to uh, educate people, to be able to let them know that that cycle needs to be obliterated, not just broken, which it can be put back together again, but we want to obliterate it. We want to annihilate it. So we try to work with not just intervention, but prevention, but because domestic violence is so prevalent in our land today and in our world, we have to work in intervention and be able to provide resources to churches, to businesses, to our faith leaders. I suffered greatly as an ordained pastor in my church, and I, I have an alliance to helping faith leaders to be accountable and responsible to those that sit in their houses of worship to understand you have a responsibility more than just saying, go home and pray. You have to be able to provide resources to people so that they can come out of those relationships. So what we, what we want to do is to be able to leave you with this message today and let you know that you can pursue purpose past your pain. You have to tap into what your pain is, identify that pain. You have to be able to tap into what heals that pain and find the things, whether it be an art form, whether it be music, whether it be writing, journaling, 
therapy. You might have to go see a counselor, which I had to do, and then step into pushing past the darkness and the pain and walk into your purpose. So emotional abuse has its effects and it is painful as well as physical. So let's not just focus on the physical. We need to help people in every area of abuse to be able to come out of that and be free from that cycle of domestic violence. Thank you for this time today. Thank you so much, Amber. We really appreciate your time tonight. Moving on to speaker number two, Anne Greco, a counselor currently practicing family psychiatric services and mental health counseling. She now coaches people, giving them practical strategies on how to manage their concerns so they can thrive at work and lead a life that they love. She's been working with people along the whole spectrum of mental health concerns from nervousness, stress, to diagnosed mental illnesses for over 18 years. She's helped thousands of patients and clients find a way to stand in their power, no matter what. And at the core of her passionate, she stands for all people to live powerfully. She wants to reduce the staggering statistics associated with workplace burnout and chronic mental health conditions. Thank you and welcome, Anne. Thank you so kindly for having me. Gigi, Lakeisha, Amber, and, and Milani. It's such a pleasure to be here. Uh, and one of the things that I was thinking about as I was preparing to speak with everybody was a wedding that I was at recently where two people were standing in front of everyone who was important to them and a higher power. And there was a wish for them to be good to each other. And if people could be good to each other, it would be such a simple, an inspired world. And what it looks like is something different, especially when there are boundary issues, when there is exploitation, when there are children who are witnessing violence, which leads to post-traumatic stress disorder, which almost normalizes the problems associated with any kind of domestic violence, which can be physical, mental, emotional, financial, sexual, and any type of false imprisonment that can occur. Uh, when I first began my career, I volunteered at a shelter for women who required crisis intervention. It was a safe house. And I had the opportunity to work firsthand with people who were struggling and had to flee. As you know how it is now because of our circumstances and everyone is coming in uh, they're staying home and they're reaching out now by because they're staying home for help and support and coming into private practice. And what it looks like is a more resilient type of person who is actually a warrior deep inside who has figured out how to cope and be there for the people they love in spite of all the obstacles that they've had to overcome, putting everyone and everything else ahead of themselves and they need help and they need support and i'm here reaching out to anyone who's listening today to let you know that you are some of the healthiest people that you are here tonight and that you are basically wanting to find information and educate yourself which i believe is the first step to everyone getting healthier there are times i see in a practice people who are um, coming in and uh, 
really wanting to get solutions. Thank you, Anne. We appreciate Thank that. Thank you so much, Anne. Really, really great information. I hope everyone is taking your journal notes for this next speaker is coming up and has another program to teach you. Angelica uh, Benevitz is now going to help us, convinced of the power that people have to reach their own potential. She's worked for the last 26 years in the development of effective theory and practices to satisfy the social, emotional, physical, and academic needs of students in the school system in Texas. She was healed from two types of cancer and experienced verbal abuse. She works with women to give them hope and help and help them dream big and try to do everything in their power to survive. Dr. Angelica helps entrepreneurs gain more visibility, exposure, and influence for greater impact. Welcome, Dr. Angelica. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me here. Um, I am so delighted. Give me a second. I'm going to have to switch. I'm delighted in being here. And um, one of the questions that many people will ask is, do you deserve to be in a relationship that is in domestic violence, right? That is the question. And the answer will be no, you know? And another question that a lot of people ask is, is yelling a sign of abuse? And that is a question that we all need to answer, right? And the answer is yes. Yes, yelling is a sense of abuse when people put you down, when they call you names, when they belitter you, when, when you feel that you don't matter, when your children experience the sense of someone yelling and they need to protect you and they begin to put sticks all over the house and they hide in the closet or they hide in the shed because they're afraid. So the answer is yes. Now, a verbal abuse is something that, you know, when people are using words that will demean you, they frighten you, they control you. So I really need to call it out and really define what it means because I was in verbal abuse and I tried to deny it in so many ways. I try to turn the other way because I was trying to heal and save my partner. When in reality, it was hurting myself and it was hurting my children. Now, let me tell you what really, really happened. Because verbal abuse is an emotional abuse, what it does, it takes a toll on you. And I really believe that that caused cancer in me because I began to create a lot of hatred towards my husband instead of loving him. And, and I also started hating myself for allowing myself to be in that relationship. So I developed two types of cancer and my whole life just tumbled down. So I'm here to remind you 
what verbal abuse is and what it does. So take care of you. And I really strongly encourage that, yes, you want to love your partner, but you also want to love yourself because you matter. You're important. And if you don't become aware of that, then it's going to hurt you physically, mentally, and emotionally. So thank you for being here in this an amazing event. Thank you. Thank you so much, Dr. Angelica. Next up, we have Grady Taylor. Grady says, do what you have to do so you can do what you want to do. This is his saying, born and raised in Atlanta, Georgia, by his mother and stepfather, Grady has taken his dream and turned it into his own reality. He has radio stations streaming in 143 countries and has reached a listening peak of 46 million listeners. He was sucked in by talk radio and, and thrilled at the idea of being on screen, making people laugh and sharing his voice. So when he had the chance, he took it. I can't wait till we can all hear Grady Taylor's story. Thanks for joining us tonight, Grady. Uh, thank you for having me. I was blessed and honored um, to be on the panel. Thank you, everybody. Um, they have shared their story, and I pray and hope every their story can help save someone, help someone. Oh, man. Um, and it's not a, a, a story that I kind of reluctant telling because you never hear men in domestic violence situations. Like, I've been, I have experienced both uh, financial and physical. Um, I think, to try to make a long story short, um, I was in a relationship where I experienced physical um, domestic violence because I was in, with a person that was real, a take charge type person, aggressive person, a possessive person that wanted to monitor my well, my you know, my location where you at. He wanted me to check in at a certain time or when I didn't check in or call, um, I was being accused. Um, this one particular incident, um, what happened was I didn't return a call or, um, or come, you know, show up uh, when I didn't show up and at that time the person struck me uh, and I ended up losing my vision in my my left eye had a, a total detached retina um with that uh it's, it's, it's just tough just just you know my those like I had just had eye surgery and just to lose my vision within three months after the surgery it was really tough and it was on, on life altering life changing so i had to um make some decisions and um make some changes and, and change my environment and um and i've adapted and adjusted and i didn't let that stop me um just coming out of an abusive relationship you know just sometimes you have to change your environment isolate you know separate yourself from the environment focus on what you on the solution not the problem and as far as um, dealing with the financial side, almost the same as um, the uh, uh, physical abuse, uh, when a person is financially, um, uh, not aggressive, I can't think of the word right now, I can't fathom the word. Um, just a person was just like, this is my money, uh, I, I don't spend this money. And it's just, you know, for a man to be told not to, you can't do this, you can't do, this, you can't do that. But it's difficult. The thing is, uh, I suggest that people, if you're going through financial um, thing, I want you to take away 
create um, multiple accounts, like one for for bills. The second one is for, um, you know, bills. The spouse has one that they have to spend money on themselves. And another one they have, each one have their own separate spending account and one for bills. And I try to work out and compromise, you know, that's what I want people to take away from the financial and um, the substance abuse part. Thank you guys for having me. Thank you, Grady. Thank you, Grady. Thank you. So such encouraging words. I think, you know, so many people may have experienced that. So I really appreciate your story. Thank you so much. The next speaker we have is Andrea Rojas. She's in Jupiter, Florida, and originally from New York City. Uh, she works at the Robert Half International as an executive assistant. She was a victim of child sex abuse at age seven to 10 from two uncles. And her ex was physically, verbally, emotionally, and sexually abusive for seven years. She fled from him about four years ago and moved to Florida with her young daughter. She has a current restraining order against him, and her daughter is very happy and safe and doing well in schools in the new area. She's always been a strong advocate for women who have suffered abuse from any kind and is a great supporter of their healing journey. Whether it's sharing your story, art, therapy, journaling, or writing, yoga, or podcast, she thinks we all have a voice and we need to use it now. Thank you for joining us, Andrea. Hi, good evening. Thank you for, um, for having me. I'm honored to be with everyone here. Um, so as Melanie um, would was introducing me. Um, I'm from New York. I was born and raised in New York, and I've been in Florida about four years. Um, and I was in a marriage um, for about seven years. It was very violent, very physically abusive, verbal abuse, mental abuse, sexual abuse, financial, the whole nine. And, um, you know, I, many reasons I stayed. I loved him. I thought I could change him. I thought, you know, you're in marriage. You hang in there bad times um and i thought you know it would come around but it didn't and um i was living in fear every day so um 2016 in june um like a thursday night he came home he's also an alcoholic so he came home in a rage and started beating me kicking me um punching slapping me um and then that happened for seems like two hours or so and then he passed out and the next day he wanted to separate and all that and then what happened was he took Alex my daughter and um, basically kidnapped her off and then um, I guess on the grace of God we were outside I was outside looking for them and um, there was about 10 NYPD officers on another incident and I ran to them and said, help me. I can't find my daughter. He took her and they helped me and got him arrested. And my family helped me. I flew to Fort Lauderdale and uh, started, we started my life in Florida. Um, so, you know, it's, you know, I still can't believe it that I'm no longer there, but um, I learned, I went through a lot of obstacles and, you know, did a lot of therapy and, um, talk to women such as yourselves, a women's group online, and going from a victim to a warrior, a victor, and 
um, using your pain for purpose. And I feel like um, I've always had been silent, always been abused since a child. And I feel like our voice is our number one superpower, if you will. Um, and I use that to, uh, to write, to journal, um, starting back to do art, because that was very painful for me um, to do that and face the hard pain um, that we all face. And I recently started doing podcasts a couple months ago. I did one with Gigi. And um, so it was it's very uh, humbling to have all the support because I've always been, I'm, I'm the only one. I, you know, I can't talk to anyone. And there's so many women out there who have been through this. Um, and I feel like I have a voice and I feel like I can help so many women. And just to not lose hope, um, you know, I... I've always prayed to God, please, I need to get out. I need a better life for me and my daughter. And, you know, I didn't lose that chance. I planned. I went to a nonprofit, Safe Horizon in New York, and they helped me plan, open a secret bank account. And I finally, I left. And um, just don't give up hope because there's so many places where you can get help now. You know, it's more open. So you're not alone. Um, even if you tell someone or sell someone on a Facebook group, just tell them and then go from there. Just little baby steps. Um, but you can have a normal life and, uh, make all your, you know, chase your dreams. But thank you. Thank you. Andrea. Thank you so much for sharing. Um, really appreciate you sharing your story. Thank you. Our next speaker is Regeline Gigi Sabat, our host. So thankful and grateful for you putting this together Gigi, as she will say, the first-generation Haitian-American, two-times author, motivational speaker, Walk With Me podcast host, trainer, coach, COO of Life Service Center of America, LLC, where she believes in the power of helping others heal from the inside, and that's why she did this tonight. She provides faith-based programs to support personal, professional, spiritual, and financial growth. Why is she so passionate about living her life so fully? She's going to share with us here in a moment what brought clarity to her life and understand that the first number one cause of domestic violence death is strangulation. So listen now as Gigi shares with us her story and the effects that almost took her life. Gigi. Hi everyone. So I'll backtrack here a little bit and tell you all that my parents came to this country from Haiti around 35 years ago and my parents instilled in my brothers and I the importance of obtaining an education and so I did, I attended the University of Central Florida. I got my BA in political science, pre-law and sociology. And then I pursued a, de a degree in law and I went to law school. And while in law school, I became the SBA president, the Student Bar Association president. And essentially that means I oversaw all the organizations in the law school. Now, little did I know that I was being abused at home. So I got the shock of my life when I was sitting on the couch handling SBA business, Student Bar Association business with a colleague and I was on the phone and I'll never forget because my life changed forever. When my ex-partner charged at me and almost strangled me to death, started beating me and almost strangled me to death, threw my phone across the room. And here's the thing, I tried to get up and I could not get up. I fell flat like a vegetable. And at the time I did not understand why, but the domestic violence advocates advised me is because I lost circulation to my brain. And that's why I raise awareness in regards to strangulation being the number one cause of death in domestic violence relationships. 
because my case essentially was taken on because of the strangulation that was involved as well, because strangulation is the number one cause of death. And so I almost lost my life at the hands of someone else. And I'm truly grateful to be here. So my life was very different about a year and a half ago, but I feel as though God has given me a new platform to serve his people. I was already serving his people on a different platform, but I feel as though he, give, he has given me a new platform to serve his people. And I will not continue to serve his people. I will continue to serve his people on this new platform he has given me, not any other platform, because I understand his purpose for my life. And essentially, that's what led me to write Walk With Me and God First. Now, these, this my life could have been very different, essentially. These books probably would not be out right now if God didn't direct me to do so right now. It probably would have been 20 years later. But here's the thing. It was a wake-up call for me when I almost lost my life. And so that, that's it. That's where that begins. So I essentially help people walk with purpose. I help them find their purpose. Hence why my podcast is titled Walk With Me. Walk with me, walk with purpose. And essentially, I raise awareness in regards to keeping God first place in your life. And that's why I wrote God first. And that's why I'm also, I, I wrote it this year and I'm bringing it to the surface this year because what's happening this year? COVID is happening. So it's important now more than ever for people to understand to put God first place in their lives. Otherwise, what's going to happen? People are going to die. People are going to commit suicide, depression. The rate is going to go skyrocketing. Anxiety is going to skyrocket. So that's why I raise awareness in regards to keeping God first place, because we wouldn't have all these problems in our society if people knew to keep God first place in our lives. Thank you. Thank you so much, Gigi. Hope you can feel her heart. This is so special that you've done this to bring everyone together for a great cause. Our next speaker is Dr. Susan Trong Jeffrey. Founder and CEO of Beyond 2020 Vision. What a perfect place to be in 2020, right? Founder and CEO of The Purposeful Mind and president and owner of SNS uh, Optometry. Group learning about, oh, sorry, group learning about her own blind spot has helped her to prioritize her life. So her devotion is based on one of her core values, the commitment, believe, and triumph. She's deeply passionate about empowering people of the world to have clarity and to live a life beyond 2020. No one said that your vision has to stop at 2020. Your vision should be so big that it scares you. And she says, if this poor girl from Vietnam can do it, then so can you. Welcome, welcome, Dr. Trong Jeffrey. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. And uh, it is such an honor. Um, well, I, as an optometrist, yes, I continue to see patients on a daily basis. And, but in my, my life coaching, my speaking platform, Beyond 2020 Vision is not necessarily the, not the year 2020, it just coincides. Beyond 2020 is, as an eye, as an eye doctor, we define 2020 as perfect vision. That's me setting the standard in the exam room for my patients. But as a life coach, out here right now sharing with you is who's setting the standard for your life, who and what. I mean, when are you going to be, decide to be the CEO of your life? And that's what I mean when I say beyond 2020 vision. Okay. Yeah. In the exam room, I'm setting the standard, but you right here, right now decide to be the CEO. My story, I was mid twenties, took off to grad school, optometry school. My first year I was engaged 
to this. My father said, I felt the shell for the shell, the outer look, right? Six, two, dark and handsome versus petite me. And I'm like, ah, this is great. I'm heading down to school. You're going to head down with me, uh, Grady. As an eye doctor, I, I understand your retinal detachment. So I'm here and I, I feel I totally understand. I had him, he's like, okay, you go down. You're going to be busy as a full-time student. I'm going to take care of everything else. I'm going to work. You don't have to worry about working and I'll pay the bills, et cetera, et cetera. But we all know, you know, when you figure out somebody's true color is when you start living with them, right? When you first meet, it's the honeymoon. It's all the charm and everything's all beautiful and grand. Then when you really, you take some time, you really get to know them, that true color. Well, that true color came out. I mean, talk about anger issue. Um, I guess he didn't like to be challenged. So I, I can handle, I, I can, I'm, I'm a scrapper, I've, I've been told. I can, I can handle the whole, I, I can go verbal head to head with you. But when you put your hand on me, okay, when you touch me, that's it, it's game over. And this, 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 this five, two girl can fight with that six, two. But well, here's how the fight was. He got really mad because I challenged him on something. I'm like, okay, so I come home. I'm, I'm in school. I mean, this is typical uh, medical school curriculum. I'm in class from eight to five. I come home. So how was job searching today? Uh, yeah, it was okay. I didn't really find anything. Visualize this. I'm an eye doctor. I want you to totally see this in your head. Okay. Now, mind you, this is a man. I come home. He's on the floor. This is mid nineties. He's on the, back then, PlayStation was the in thing. He's on the floor playing video games. I'm like, aren't you supposed to be looking for a job and helping me and supporting me here? So he didn't like the fact that I, I challenged him. I challenged him. I got in his face. And he, he, uh, he loves firearms. So he collects firearms, the rifles, the pistol, the guns, whatever. He got mad at me. So we got into it. And um, he, he had me on the bed, on my stomach, his knees on my back duct taping, attempting to duct tape my hands to the back. And he had a, um, and I had shared this with Gigi when we had some one-on-one -on -one time not that long ago, a um, nine millimeter loaded right to my head. To this day, I can still feel that cold metal right to my head. I knew it was loaded, but your adrenaline gets going, all right? It's either fight or flight. And I'm like, go ahead, pull that trigger, pull it. Gigi was like, wow, you're bright. I'm like, pull it. Because I know as soon as you pull it, you're going to turn around, have to pull it on yourself. Because if not, my dad, my father, and my brothers, they will hunt you down and they won't stop until they get you, they find you. Okay. So obviously I'm still here today because he didn't pull it. But that, that was the ultimate of my domestic violence experience. And what do I have to share with you today? Domestic violence. You've heard from other speakers, and you're going to continue to hear from more speakers as we continue. Yes, physical, mental, spiritual, body, mind, and soul. And at the end of the day, what does that mean? It means, why was I like that? I, I dealt with it. I lived with it for a while. Is it low self-esteem, self-worth, self-confidence, all of that? I was lacking. So what do I have to share with you? You, yes, you matter. Your worth, your value as a person, as a human being who matters on this earth, it is up here. So nobody takes that from you, nobody.
So that's all I got to share for now. Thanks a bunch. And you can find me on beyondyour2020vision.com. And thank you so much, everybody. I really appreciate this. Thank you, Susan. Thank you so much. What a new perspective about 2020, right? Live in your moment. It is your life. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Our next speaker is Bernadette Barone Panier, consultant to business owners, entrepreneurs, and CEOs that don't have marketing teams. She creates plans to put in place to expand your attraction online using social media. Her firm develops go-to market plans and marketing campaigns to increase lead flow and increase revenue. Using platforms like Instagram, she loves teaching owners and CEOs how to become confident using social media to add revenue to their company. And with 20 years of enterprise sales and marketing experience, she's made millions of dollars for her clients and companies. Welcome, Bernadette. We're having trouble with your audio, Bernadette. I can't hear anything now. Oh, there you go. You can hear me now? Yes. Okay, great. Sorry about that. Technical difficulties. Welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for the um, introduction. And I'm so happy to be here tonight and hearing all these other stories has been really impactful. Um, My name is Bernadette and my story um, starts in a normal, probably most likely same similar way in most people's lives, which is I met someone in my early twenties who was just the man of my dreams and so adorable and very narcissistic and completely powerful. And I fell in love with that. And we dated and got engaged and nothing violent happened that I had noticed until after we were married. And it took a few years into the marriage for me to find my way out of it. It was very traumatic and very um, traumatic to me, not just physically, but mentally as well. And one of the things that ended up coming out of it for me that um, I've only recently kind of figured out on my own through therapy and friends is that right after I left my husband at that time, I then ended up going into two back-to-back violent long-term relationships after that because I kept seeking out that type of personality. It was almost like I had this crazy addiction to wanting an abuser in my life, which was strange because clearly I didn't want to be abused verbally or physically um, or even financially, but that was what I was seeking for myself. And I found in my 30s, that I needed to change my picker, as I call it. And I had to change myself and start loving myself. And it took some time to forgive myself for allowing those relationships to take place. And then by doing all of those things, by forgiving myself, by changing my picker, by looking at different features of a, of a spouse that I would need in my life, 
that's how I changed. And that's how I ended up finding my new husband now. And I didn't find him until I was 37. So, and that was 12 years after I had left my husband. So I, for me, it's coming down to once you leave those relationships, you have to take time to heal yourself, which is the thing that takes the longest to heal. You'll mourn all the other relationship parts, but mourning your, the death of who you were takes so much longer and you have to rebirth yourself almost to come out the other side of that cave and find who you really are on the inside. And that's definitely been part of my journey. And it's been something that I'm so happy as long as it took, I'm glad that I went through the process and that now I have the ability to share my story with strength and honor and know that I, I might have at some point not understood the why behind why I searched for that kind of man in my life, but that now I know not to do it anymore and to be able to be strong enough to say that's okay and love myself every single day, regardless of my dress size. <laughs> and I'm just so happy and so proud to be here and be part of this because I know the, the more voices that speak up, the more we'll speak up. Thank you, Bernadette. Thank you, ladies. Thank you so much. I think what I wrote down here is, you know, understanding that you have to mourn the death of who you were. That's really powerful. And I hope people really think into that because we have to give ourselves permission right? Thank you so much for sharing. I love the picker. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. All right. Our next, next speaker is Lisa Edwards. Lisa Edwards, since joining Toastmasters International in 2008, Lisa has been a voice for others who suffer from domestic violence. In 2014, she became an independent certified speaker, teacher, and coach with the John Maxwell team. Lisa serves alongside her dog, Skipper Doodle, as the face of a small company with a big mission. She founded two social entrepreneurial companies, the first being Lifestyle of Independence, founded in 2016, which is an affordable housing solution for domestic violence victims and female veterans. And then LTI Company, founded in 2018, which is her public speaking and product development platform. Once a victim, now a survivor, Lisa shares her inspirational message of hope and a roadmap to financial independence in supporting female veterans and domestic violence survivors. Thank you so much, Lisa. I can't wait to hear your story. Oh, and you're still on mute, Lisa. Thank you for having me here today. Um, Gigi, Lakeisha, and Melanie. Um, let's just start with something. Let's close our eyes. And just imagine that somebody is promising you that if you don't do as I say in a divorce decree, that I promise that I will bury you alive, that you will never be anything, and that I will take my son. And unfortunately, the last 22 years, I lost seven homes, four jobs, two cars, and my young son when he was five and a half years old in the second time custody battle. I dealt with abuse verbally, mentally, emotionally, sexually, physically, 
financially and judicially. If there's another way, I don't want to know. You know, um, I thought that I was one in a million. When I found out that I was one of millions, that blew my mind. I had to do something. You know, and they say, who shall go? Who shall walk? I shall go. I had decided with the grace of God and my walk of faith that I was going to do something about this. First, I had to help myself. With all of those losses, I, um, I took classes in Finance 101, anything that I could do. Not a car to get there, no way to, to figure it out, but you know, I scrapped my way, I made it happen. And um, I took these classes. I lived in an unfinished attic. I lived in an unfinished basement with running water through the walls and floors. And three years later, when I said I was gonna get a home I own and a brand new start, well, I did. And in 2009, I had the American dream, a home of my own and a brand new start. And from there, I said that was my pledge to help other women. So I started Lifestyle to Independence in 2016. And our motto is we're in the business of rebuilding lives. So I'm so happy to tell you as of October 1st, my the first affordable housing initiative is underway. And we just contracted today with the first family that will have a loving uh, home right here in my two family home downstairs. So I'm really excited about that. Um, and in 2018, we created LTI, which is Public Speaking and Product Development. And we have developed four products so far. And I just started the initiative of the next one um, with a bunch of domestic violence survivors. And so economic independence is extremely important um, here and across the globe. Gigi, I know you're gonna bring it across the world, so I don't have a problem with that. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, hope is one of the most important things that I needed in my life. And two uh, is financial. The top two reasons why someone will stay in a domestic violence situation is one, fear, and two, financial ramifications. I'm sorry I can't do anything about number one, but I will give my heart and my pledge that I will help do everything for number two so that we can create financial independence here, help build affordable housing, help women economically from the ground up. And I do believe that that is through product development and manufacturing. So that is a bottoms up approach to economic independence. Um, and the other thing I would say is that, you know, how, how do you do that? How do you go from, you know, the bottom of the barrel to making your way up? Well, when I continued my education, I joined the John Maxwell team. I remember being on stage and asking the president, Paul Martinelli, Paul, how, 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 how can I help the domestic violence women is what I said. And he told me, Lisa, you have to find a way. And I said, that's your answer. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> but there's a message and there's a saying from John Maxwell that I really like and resonates with me all the time. And it's not, can we, it's how can we? How can we assume there's a way 
We just have to find it. And I know with my help, all of you women and those that are listening, we can continue that and find our solutions. Thank you. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you so much, Lisa. And congratulations on all your success. This is a wonderful journey for you. Thank, Thank you. you. Next, we have Matthew Santana Jr. Matthew is a transitional empowerment life coach. Super excited to hear your story, Matthew. Thank you for joining us tonight. Oh, and you're on mute. Thank you all for having me. I'm glad to be here. I am a transitional power uh, empowerment life coach. So um, a time when domestic violence um, is most lethal is when the person is trying to uh, leave the situation. So I take my life coaching from there. And um, with my nonprofit, we help women get out of situations um, of abuse and sexual assault. So, you know, I started that three years ago and it has grown. And now we are helping not just women um, escape domestic violence, but as well as men and then um, help those children that um, that's in those situations as well. So we help empower men, women, and children. And I am a best-selling author of three books, uh, Evolution of a Queen, A Woman of Color. And it um, goes through the story of a friend who had, um, you know, that I knew personally um, that was going through domestic violence and sexual assault. Um, my newest book that was just released, Rebirth of a Woman, Discover Unspoken Secrets. And it was a collaboration with not only women, but it has men in there as well, um, to lead into the next book, uh, Fear, My Hidden Truth, men, you know, because men are, they, you know, supposed to be strong and um, keep their heads held high. And, you know, so this book um, entails their struggles and what they um, go through and how they can uh, heal and speak up and use their voices as well. So um, I help you take, um, get out of that place of brokenness and break those chains and heal through healing affirmations um, and building your self-esteem and emotionally healing. So you can find that information at the infinitepowerproject.com. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for sharing. The screen here. And our next speaker is Mari Gomez. (laughs) 
Angelica, it's fine if the music can't play. I would just bring on the next speaker. Is is it under Daniel? Yes. I can't find her. Okay. So it would be Daniel Gomez. And really, this is an opportunity for us to thank our sponsors for the event tonight. So Mari Gomez will be speaking. Daniel, you're muted. <laughs> Daniel is muted. Melanie, what we can do is um, continue. Yes, and then keep him on there, but continue till he gets back on. Yes. Okay. Oh, there he is. <laughs> there we go. There she is. Yes. Hi, Mari. Hi. Hi, Mari. <laughs> Hi. So um, I'm Mari Gomez. I'm from the Mighty Strong Foundation. We are super excited to be sponsors for Gigi. Uh, I had the pleasure of meeting her about a couple months ago. And her cause, her purpose, and, and what she's doing is amazing. Um, we at the Mighty Strong Foundation, um, what we do is we support and we help breast cancer survivors to help them continue to live their life, their everyday expenses. Um, me, myself, I'm a third year breast cancer survivor, so I know what it's like to go through the motions, to go through the pain and to go through the struggles of everyday life to just keep your family going. So super excited to be here. Um, thank you for, for um, inviting us and um, can't wait to see what else uh, these stories are amazing and I can't wait to see and hear all the other amazing stories of empowering women and men that are going out there and just, you know, going above and beyond their struggles to help other people. Thank you, Mari. Thank you. Thank you, Mari. Great to see you. Good to see you guys. Yes, you too. <laughs> Our next speaker is Renee Michelle. Renee comes all the way from Australia. Feels like it's right next to us on Zoom. <laughs> Her powerful journey is one of astonishing courage, hope, and resilience. She inspires us to rise above adversity and pursue life that we deserve. Her unrelenting purpose is to prove that your life matters. Today, Renee is thriving across every area of her life. She's impacting lives around the globe by teaching other survivors the essential keys to moving past the hurt and live healed and whole and create a life that they love. Her story will motivate you to become the person you were created to be, value and purpose. Her book is titled Battle Scars Are Beautiful, From Victim to Victory. Welcome so much, Renee Michelle. Hey, hello, everybody. Thank you so much for having me, Gigi. And I'm just totally um, in love with all of you ladies over there. And I'm so grateful to be here today. My story started um, around about the age of 10 when our family went through quite a significant crisis. 
And as a result, my mother, who became a single mother unexpectedly, developed and totally overwhelmed her. And it made her a very emotionally redundant uh, person, uh, parent, and she did not protect me in the way that a normal healthy mother would. Unfortunately, she brought many men home who then began to sexually and physically abuse me. And that abuse carried on until I was 16 years old, until I was able to escape the home environment, which I did. However, the self-esteem erosion had begun at such a young age, and I had no idea what a healthy relationship looked like. It was never modelled to me as a child. So I went into violent relationship after violent relationship. I myself developed a drug and alcohol addiction to numb the pain. And that just, it instilled in me constant fear. The most damaging relationship, however, I truly do believe to this day was my 15 year long narcissistic marriage because that was day after day of emotional abuse. He controlled all our finances. I was not allowed passwords on phones, on email, on computers. He would regularly go through all of my messages, text, phone, constantly accusing me of having affairs. And the insecurity that he felt in the day-to-day -day totally overwhelmed me. So I developed many physical issues, digestion issues, weight loss, weight gain. That stress that I was under constantly made me very hypervigilant. I was overreactive to things all the time. And I really struggled to maintain my role as a healthy parent, a wife, and hold down a job. And I was also attending university full time. So the stress really was at such a high level. And I did stay in that marriage a lot longer than I should have purely because I suffered in silence. You see, I had kept my sexual abuse silent my whole life because of the shame that I carried. And then when I married a man, I felt so ashamed yet again that I had made such a bad decision. And that did keep me silent. That did keep me quiet and it kept me isolated. So I didn't reach out. And if there was something that I could really convey to people listening today, to ladies, to men, is don't suffer in silence. Reach out, confide in a service, confide in a friend, put your hand up and say, I'm in trouble here and I need help. I stayed so much longer than I should have. And I'm sure that my children had worn the scars internally from that decision. And that is why now I spend so much time and energy and passion empowering other women to say, you know what, you're not alone. You are stronger when we stand together. And doing these things, speaking out, putting our hands up and saying, hey, I'm standing with you. I know what it feels like. It's okay. You're not alone. Don't wear the shame. It's not yours to carry. And that's when we truly inspire other people to stand up for themselves. And that's when we see women and men go from strength to strength. So thank you so much for having me here today and for allowing me to share my story. You're welcome. Thank you, Renee. Thank you, Renee. Don't carry the shame. What a great thing to think about as we go into this next chapter. Thank you so much, Renee. We love you. <laughs> All right. Our next speaker, Dylan Christopher. 
Um, Dylan is a survivor, but also a gay man and living proof that domestic violence happens among same-sex couples. He lived a whole year with an abuser and has been clean and free of his abuser going on four years now. Since he left four years ago, he's never looked back and has had many opportunities that have opened up for him. His story is unique because very rarely do people hear about domestic violence occurring in gay relationships. Dylan says he's so happy that he left when he did and he didn't know didn't he doesn't know where he would be today uh, if he hadn't have done that. So really tune in and understand the warning signs because it could save your life. Thanks for joining us, Dylan. I don't see Dylan. Yes, uh, we'd have to bring on another speaker and then Dylan is hopping on in the next few minutes. Okay. Yeah, difficulties logging in. Okay. So we will go to Yovi Daniels, former TV corporate in the U.S. Spanish-speaking broadcast industry. She's a podcast host, advocate for higher education and emotional intelligence. She's currently running her media consulting firm, and I am super excited to hear from her. She's a producer and the two-time podcast host, a female empowerment advocate for higher education, and again, honored to be a part of this project tonight. Thank you so much, Yovi, for joining us. Thank you for having me. Good evening. Good afternoon. I <laughs> said, um, uh, as, as um, I hope I don't chop your name, but uh, thank you for introducing me. Uh, <laughs> I am, as she said, a former media corporate, but I'm going to delve in into what exactly why am I here? Yes, I'm a survivor of domestic violence. Um, I want to definitely praise all the women and men that are here. I I want to find myself maybe that I, yes, I was in a situation. Um, I will say thank you for the network of friends and family that were there. Uh, it did not carry so far, but I was in jeopardy. I had the greatest job. I was the pinnacle of my career, uh, my education. I was in my mid forties, actually about to turn 40 at the time. So, you know, life gives you all these milestones and goals and, you know, your woman, and then you need to settle down and create a family. Well, unfortunately, the person that I pick at that time was not that person. And as I said, I jeopardized my position, my dream job at the time. I almost lost it all, but I did, thank God. I reacted soon enough to pull myself away. But I can tell you fast forward today, 2020, it has taken me almost five years to become the person that I am today. Yes, it was a lot of pain. There was a lot of tears. There was great depression, sadness. But at the hand of God, God, I finally did surrender. And I put my life and I will literally will not turn back. I went through what I went through, no regrets, but I really got out of it truly on time. I praise everyone that has been able to be here. Your stories are amazing. I look forward to keep on, you know, uplifting, elevating and inspiring more women and men to continue, you know, being themselves, you know, living the best life that they could with the praise of, you know, blessings and God in their life, if they're allowed to. Thank you, Yovi. Thank you. 
Thank you so much. All right. Um, we will go on to Megan. Megan Finio. She says, did you know that there is a worldwide epidemic going on at the moment? And it's the belief that we're not enough. Megan is an Air Force veteran, licensed clinical mental health therapist, speaker, host of the Blonde Bombshell podcast, and I Am Enough TV, founder and CEO of the international I Am Enough movement that's trademarked, which is also a 501c3 nonprofit organization, and Freedom Haven. Megan, thank you so much for joining. Welcome. There we go. <laughs> Thank you so much. This is such an honor. I've been so excited to be a part of this event today. Um, so I'm just going to jump right into my story very quickly. Um, I have been a mental health therapist for the over 15 years. And in 2012, when I was 33 years old, I had the opportunity to commission as an officer in the Air Force and moved to California. And at that time, I was literally not looking for a husband. But you know how sometimes that happens, right? Lo and behold, the man who I thought was the man of my dreams showed up. And within 11 months, we were married um, of meeting each other. And then after six months of uh, getting married, he started to change and he became annoyed by me, angry. I caught him in lies. He would start calling me different names, crazy, insane, delusional. Uh, he ended up having an affair for 14 months of our two and a half year marriage. And even as a mental health therapist, I did not realize that I was in a very narcissistic, abusive marriage uh, that also included some physical abuse. Um, and at that time, I literally lost every sense of who I was. I created this story in my head that I was not good enough. He never told me I wasn't good enough. But literally, I created that story based on his actions and his behaviors. And it literally catapulted not just to my marriage, but to every area of my life where I literally thought that I was not good enough. I finally walked away from him in February 2018 and got into my own therapy and started doing my difficult trauma work. And this is where I wrote my best-selling book, uh, where I shared the five steps that I went through to move from struggle to strength. Every single one of us has had that thought of not feeling like we're enough, whether it be in your health, career, relationships, what have you. And I had to do that difficult work to really rediscover who I was. I lost my six-figure income and then three months later walked away from my ex-husband. I literally had nothing. And when I finally said yes to myself and finally did the, the hard, scary, uncomfortable work, I was able to develop this concept of believing I was enough. And so I have in that process become such an amazing, it's been such an amazing journey to literally share to the world and empower people to believe that they're enough. And so a year after walking away from my ex-husband, I built the I Am Enough movement, where we talk about the power of visual coping skills and how we need to literally change that thought in our head. And sometimes we can't do that right away. And so we need to visualize something so that we can read it so that it can stop us from thinking those negative thoughts. And so I developed the movement because I literally, in my trauma treatment, 
had to start from ground zero of believing that I was enough. And throughout the years, as I continued to say, I am enough because that statement got even stronger. And here I am two and a half years later. And so literally I share my story to whoever will listen because every single one of us struggles with limiting self-beliefs. And I'm here to tell you that no matter what, when you allow yourself to put your put yourself in that uncomfortable situation, when you do that, you literally will change your life and you will change the life of so many people. And so my passion and purpose is to empower people to believe that they're enough. Thank you. Thank Megan. you. Megan, you are enough. Thank you. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing. Thank you. And Thank you. Dylan, I, I, yes. I see Dylan in the room. Welcome, Dylan. Oh my gosh. Hello. I am Hello. like mess right now I do apologize <laughs> that's okay welcome well it is great it is great to be here you guys um I am very happy to be here um so I guess I will go on ahead and dive into my story okay all right so a little bit about about me. I am from I am from California, um, and my relationship is or was. I've been I've been out of my relationship for about say going on four years, um, and what's really unique about my story is that I I am gay, so. Um, something that not a lot of people, not a lot of people do is, uh, when they think of gay relationships, they don't think of, uh, DV. They don't think of domestic violence being part of the gay community when in reality it is very much, it is very much so alive. And so very sim, I, had, I have also a very similar story where in the beginning our relationship moved, our, my relationship with my abuser moved really fast. Um, meaning that there was not enough time to get to know each other. And within, and when he, when I first met him, he was very, he came off as very sweet. He was very nice. He was the, as I would call it, the knight in shining, the knight in shining armor. Um, and then within about a month, he, all of that, that, that mask started to come off. And so that mask started to come off and he started to become, becoming really angry and really short at just kind of like the smallest, smallest things would just set him off. And so with me, I was in my early twenties at the time. And I thought I was, I was really naive. I thought, oh, I, you know, like he can, I could fix it. Like I can change him, but in reality, you know, like it, that was far from the truth. So I was going through that for about it. I was in that relationship for about a year where we would go to his parents' house and he would, he didn't like it when I would be affectionate towards him. So he would smack me and they would laugh about it. They'd joke about it and everything from above. Um, the scariest part was when he was in my car and he tried to crash my car into the divider on the freeway. 
Um, so, and even then till this day, I feel like a year later, I, or not a year later, but like four years later, I should say, I don't know how I got out of that. Um, I ask myself that every day. I am still dealing with the trauma in therapy from that abusive relationship. Um, so there's that. My main, my main message is to, is mostly just for people part of my community is to let them know that, you know, like there it like, please, please pay attention to any kind of the warning signs if especially if a relationship is moving too fast and that's um, in same in a same sex relationship like mine or in a heterosexual relationship it's yeah it we really gotta just pay attention um, but it happens it happens it happens and I'm happy to be here to kind of bring light to that and to talk about that so. Thank you, Dylan. In a nutshell. <laughs> Thank you so much, Dylan. Important and really important for us to remember and become aware. It can happen any situation. Thank you. Our next speaker tonight is uh, Ragni Sinikas, a seasoned entrepreneur, founder of the World Women Conference and Awards. Sendherdeals.com. Complex Holding, Starpreneurs TV, Untold Story Foundation, Changemakers Coach, Public Speaker, Philanthropist. Her courage is always present in every story of her life, always building teams of loyal women that champion and help the less fortunate. Her strength and inspiration is powered by the energy accomplished of every woman she helps. Hello, and thank you for joining us tonight, Ragni. Hello, hello. Uh, I couldn't be happier to be here. I'm sorry uh, my company's name <laughs> appears and I cannot see and I cannot change it, but uh, for some reason it has to be. So today I just wanted to share my story because sometimes we do not even uh, understand why we are in those relationships that something off is going on. And, um, and I was uh, the other day talking with, uh, with a lovely Regeline Gigi about it because I didn't realize that I was in, uh, in, in that type of uh, relationship up to a uh, many, many years, 20 years later, basically, when I became aware. I, I did feel with my cut that, uh, that my sort of my freedom, uh, was, it, uh, was it physical freedom, voice, uh, choice, everything was limited because uh, what, uh, and in my case, uh, narcissistic uh, abuser uh, makes you really feel that uh, he needs to be your world. And you are in a situation where you think that, uh, I love it, like uh, it's, uh, it's as love should be, so in love, uh, he's my everything, and everything started off very good. So six months into, into the relationship, uh, I have a call from an ex-boyfriend, 
And he happens to hear that. And he totally freaks out. He gets the phone. He meets up with that guy and he beats him to the hospital. And I'm like, why would, like, why would you do that? But still, I was eight, uh, 17, uh, becoming 18. And I was like, well, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, they, like, uh, maybe he provoked him and all of that. Then a few weeks passed and... I was supposed to go to my, my friend's uh, birthday party, which was just girls. And I, I'm getting ready. And in the morning, I had told him that I'm going. And he didn't pay, not pay attention. So I'm getting ready. And he, he comes and is like, where are you going? I'm like, uh, I told you in the morning that I'm going to this party. And he comes and just takes me by, by and you do not do that. Like, you didn't tell me anything in the morning. And I'm like, Oh my God, maybe I didn't. So you start to, I'm just giving you the signs, okay? Maybe you, maybe you haven't realized, like I did not realize, really, I did not realize. Maybe I was so young as well. And I had never seen, like my, my father is the biggest gentleman in the world. So I had never gone through those things, even not my friends, nobody else. And then... It's 20th of January, 2000. I'm going to pick him up from the airport and he doesn't show up. So the phone is switched off. So the day that I thought that it's my worst, worst day of my life ended up to be, I think now, the biggest blessing because I think that was the only way that I am in front of you today. So that guy was missing. Then I, then I got the call from the police. Actually, he had uh, escaped from the prison from Sweden. I had no clue what was his name, who he really was. He had another girlfriend, which he had beaten up, but she had been pregnant at the time. So it was like, uh, <laughs> I was like, oh my God. And again, my message today to you is that... Um, when we are so in love, we don't notice the warning signs. And we keep on doing and we, we're like, okay, maybe, maybe I should change myself. Maybe I should uh, look another angle. Maybe I'm, I am too, uh, with, a, with, a, with a too big of, a, of a willpower. Maybe my voice is too strong. So when we are emotionally so attached to those people, we, we start to question ourselves who we are and how we, how we really, really transmit to outside. So, uh, and if you are today in that situation, then none of your circumstances define you. Today, you can take the decision to leave. And become the, the 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 person that you have always been. So just take that step and do it. And do not like don't suppress yourself. That this is going to just blow up one day, and uh, this is not going to do any good for you. So I know that there's a lot of different types of abuse. And in my case, I was lucky enough not to go very deep with the physical abuse, but uh, if I see all the signs which I had, 
and had I paid attention, I would have been in much better place. So pay attention to everything that just surrounds you. Thank you very much. Thank you, Ragni. Thank you so much. You know, so many times we leave with our heart instead of our head. I think the lesson here is really think about everything that you're doing when it feels too good to be true. It probably is. Yeah. Thank you so much. Powerful. Thank, Thank you. All right. So it looks like we're going on to our next speaker here. Erin uh, Bear is a thriving entrepreneur and lives her passions as an author, speaker, and empowerment coach. Being a survivor of domestic violence and sexual assault, Erin began telling others her story of grace and grit on her road to recovery. Sharing her personal story became the basis for her book, From Beaten to Badass. I can't wait to hear your story, Erin. Thank you for joining us tonight. Thank you so much for hosting the event, Gigi, and for you, Melanie, to be the MC, and everybody that has decided to raise their voice and speak up about domestic violence and all of the things, as well as sexual assault. As she said, I'm Erin Bear, and I am a speaker, coach, and author of the book, From Beat a Badass. I stand before you today as a survivor, but my life hasn't always been that way. It's been pretty complicated and pretty hard. I was raped, beaten, nearly killed, bullied, abandoned, and abused. I shouldn't have survived, but I did. During my tipping point of abuse, I was abused mentally and emotionally every single day and random spouts of physical and sexual violence. However, like most of us, we deny the abuse that we are going through, especially to ourselves and mostly the people that surround us. Because after all, we don't wanna seem weak or be looked at like a victim. It's hard, it's lonely, and most of all, those that have been there might feel like a big disappointment or not good enough or that they don't deserve anything else but what they're getting. The emotional abuse takes a toll on you. You do everything you can to survive the days and even the nights, hoping that maybe the next day will be just a little bit better and maybe you won't be abused. You put a smile on your face, you pretend everything's okay because after all, that's the only way you're gonna survive. That's what I did. I was the happy and positive, upbeat person. Everything was fine because I had to make it okay. I pretended and everybody bought it until one day I snapped. I finally decided enough was enough. I couldn't take it anymore. I finally broke. Everything in me just shattered to the ground. I came home and I kicked out my monster. He was convicted and charged, and I was free from his words and the hands that he used upon me. However, it was myself that really needed to shift the thinking of the words I used towards myself and about myself. Emotional abuse and the stress that goes along with it runs deep. It is not something that just goes away when the monster is gone. It's been ingrained in you until you decide to seek help and shift your mindset, it can keep a hold on you. It took me a decision to make for myself to seek professional help and to understand that taking it day by day and one day at a time was what I needed the most. 
there are still times that old self-talk habits creep up and come out of the blue from nowhere. And I have to remind myself how far I've come and that I am enough. In fact, I am more than enough. And so is everyone here tonight and those that are watching. We all have a story. And instead of comparing our stories, we need to embrace and share our stories. Raise our voices. We can stand together and we can implement change. That is what we're doing tonight, everybody. We are sharing our stories so we can help those impacted by domestic violence. It's important. Raising our voices is powerful and it's what's needed if anything is going to change. I want everyone that is watching this and those that have been impacted by domestic violence to understand something. You are not defined by your circumstances. You are a badass. You just have to get back up. I thank you so much for taking the time out of your day and your schedule and all the chaos that this year has brought to really listen to the stories that all of us have brought to you today because they are our stories, our truth. And I invite you to stand in your truth and understand that you are not alone. Thank you. Thank you, Erin. Thank you so much. Congratulations on your journey. Amazing. Our next speaker is Miss Elizabeth Bull. She's the founder at LizBull.com, medical intuitive certified business coach, diet-free weight loss expert, and master healer in a number of modalities. The website is LizBull.com. She's going to help professional business people make more money by clearing all the hidden traumas. She's the author of your amazing itty bitty diet free weight loss book and life boost. So welcome, 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 Miss Elizabeth. Thank you for joining us. Melanie, this is Aurora. Elizabeth oh. uh, did not get on. Yes. So. Oh, I am so sorry. Aurora McGarry, Aurora. thank you. Hello. Hello. So let me introduce you properly. Emmy award-winning TV show host, producer, director, author, speaker, event MC, and charity auctioneer, the founder and host of Live Your Legacy Summit, the event and CEO of Ari McGarry Productions. Thank you so much. You're a cancer and domestic violence sur thriver, surf thriver, not survivor. Amen. Sir Thriver, <laughs> and a walking miracle. I'm going to real quick read the rest of this here because I think this is so important. You've been featured on over 400 radio shows, podcasts, and dozens of TV shows, including The 700 Club in Atlanta and Company, Fox, PBS, NBC, Good Day Atlanta, Daytime Tampa Bay, and Nine Line, with audiences in the millions. We are so welcome you tonight. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh my gosh. My pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you. Can you hear me? Okay. Yes, ma'am. For Google. Oh, well, Gigi and all of you, Milani and everyone here, the stories are outstanding. And I have to just give you all such a round of applause because I don't know, I think I might be the oldest one here, but I've been 
on this platform trying to get the word out about domestic violence for over 30 years now because mine was back in the early the 80s and early 90s and don't even try to calculate my age now ladies <laughs> but it was before the internet before we we're all connected like this so we were really isolated and alone but i hate the fact that it is still three women a day die at the hands of someone who's supposed to love them we have to stop that cycle. And I always say I only got one black eye, but that's one black eye too many. And some of the other the panelists earlier were talking about that verbal abuse and the power of life and death is in your tongue. And I'll tell you that black eye took me a couple of weeks to get over. I looked like Rocky, but the verbal and mental abuse took years and years and years to get over. And I just recently in the past year or two um, found out that it really is a form of PTSD. And we do need to reach out. We need to come together and get help for it because we're not alone. And we need to know that there is help and we need to be nurtured together. So I'm so glad you're doing things like this. I'm like all your other panelists, anytime you give us a microphone, we wanna share because I believe inherently as women, we wanna help each other. But my my seven years, I just have to tell, tell you women, God does not have any grandkids. You're either his child or not. You don't get to be a Christian because your parents are. And I married a pastor's son. So I kept thinking like everybody else, he's going to get perfect. He's going to be good. He'll become nice once I marry him. Wrong. It just got worse. And I, and I can relate to every single speaker here that it was that you're not allowed out. You're not allowed friends. Your, your self-esteem goes down. And I look back now at my young self and I think, what was I thinking? But you have to be in it and walk in our shoes to realize these reasons why we stay and how we think we can fix them. And we must be doing something wrong. And if I make more money, it'll be nicer. But I have to tell you, there is power in making your own money. And I got into a direct selling company, thanks to my mom at the time who helped me. And I earned a free car and I earned my own money and I stopped giving it all to him to put away. I started getting a little smarter. Not that I wanted to leave, but I just wanted some choices because money does buy you choices and it builds your self-esteem. And I was able to finally, and it was after seven years, and I know women have stayed in a whole lot longer, but we all get that breaking point at a different time. And I used that free company car to take my five-year-old daughter. And when he started screaming at me and threw me up against the wall, I said to him, get out. He wouldn't go. So I got my little girl and I got in my free company car and I drove away to the nearest Ritz Carlton I could find. <laughs> Ran away and stopped. <laughs> but the point is I had options and money but gives you that option. So do be successful, find help, get resources and plan an escape if needed. But I really wanna help young girls not get into this situation. And I wanna give you hope because now after that and I escaped, I had one non-negotiable when it came to ever being with a man again. And that was, I wanted a man who made me laugh and didn't make me cry. And you know, you'll know people by their fruits. They can tell you all day long, they're a Christian or they're this or they're that, doesn't matter. It's how you treat people with kindness and respect, all people, not just the woman you're dating and trying to impress. And I will be celebrating my 25th anniversary in February to my Prince Charming, Brian McGarry, who's never once in 25 years raised a hand or even raised his voice at me and has never said a derogatory word to me. And I'm going to give you my mom's piece of advice before I close. And that's marry your best friend, ladies. Don't wait to hope somebody will get better and we can fix them. We can't and we shouldn't have to. 
So you treat them like the king they are. They treat you like the queen you are and best friends will last forever. And I'm so excited, just give you hope. And I have just a quick second that I wanted to say a big shout out to What Women Want Networking, who is one of our sponsors tonight, because it's all about in What Women Want Networking to connect, encourage, and inspire. And we as a company, I'm their vice president, love to give back to nonprofits that support women and to stop domestic violence. So if you are one of those nonprofits, reach out to us and go to whatwomenwantnetworking.com and let us know who you are and how we can help as a community and a business organization. And thank you for having me. Go out there and be your best and don't let anybody tear you down ever again. We're in this together, ladies. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Remember, find somebody that makes you laugh, not that makes you cry. And money gives you options, right? That is so important. Find a way to save money, put money away, hide money, because it does give you options. Great lessons. Thank you so much. Nice to meet you. All right. And now a word from our sponsor, Daniel Gomez. Thank you for joining us tonight. Oh, you're on mute. (laughs) Thank you for having me, Uh, Melanie. Thank you, Gigi, for holding this great event and just amazing stuff. We're honored to to sponsor this event. Can you hear me? Yes. Yes. Okay. And uh, it's, it's amazing, right? I was thinking about what, what am I going to talk about tonight? And I really want to just, I, I, I see the same underlying story. And I've had several people that said um, three to six months, this person came out. This three to six months, I didn't know who this person was. I want to give you some words of wisdom that's going to change your life. So I want you to get a pen and paper out and take this down. It's called, right? It's called this. You date the cognitive, you, you date the conscious mindset when you when you meet somebody because you're so excited. It's creative. You're excited. So you're thinking from your creative point of your mind. But you marry the subconscious, right? Let me say it again. As women, as men, we date the cognitive person and then we marry the subconscious person. And I say that because you you meet this person, you're excited and you're you're just aware of what's going on. You're aware of every situation. You're just aware of it. And you don't see those things like you're like, like everybody's saying, Dylan said six months, um, the mask started coming out. The mask was always there. So I challenge you that when you meet somebody new, when you meet somebody exciting, yes, you're excited. Yes, you're thinking from your creative standpoint, from your mind. But remember this, the person that you're going to marry, you're going to marry their subconscious. You're going to marry their habits. And this is the kicker is even the person that you're marrying, they're not even, they don't even realize the habits they have. Write this down. 95% of your life, you're not even aware of the decisions that you make because it's habitual. It's rituals, right? It's the rituals that we have every single day. It's the habits that we have every single day. And the best way I can describe it that, that you can take this home is just think about when you first started driving a car. When you first started driving a car, you would set the rearview mirror. You would set it perfectly. You would make sure that the left mirror was there, the right mirror was there. And then you would take 10 minutes just to drive out of the driveway, would you not? Well, that's because you, you, you didn't have the programming in. But once you had the programming in you, you can now you can drive with one hand and you can change the radio station. You can do too many, so many things now. Because it's now it's part of your subconscious programming. Well, that's the same thing is when, when we date somebody new, when we meet somebody new, we're excited. We see the best in them. And because that's all we want to see. 
But then after three to six months, like the, the same underlying story has been said here is that subconscious mindset has always been there. We just never knew it was there because we weren't aware of it. So how do you know what a person's subconscious thinking? How do we know that 95% of what they do? Write this down. Make it a deliberate thing, an intentional thing, an intentional situation. Put them under stress. You want to know what that man is, what that woman is like? What are they really like when I'm going to marry them, who I'm going to spend the rest of my life with? Put them under pressure. Put them under stress. And do it purposely. Because when you do that, you're going to find out. Because write this down. You want to know what somebody's subconscious thinking is? You want to know if they're not narcissistic or not? You want to know if they're abusive? Their instinctive behaviors are going to come out under pressure. Let me say it again. Their instinctive behaviors are going to come out under pressure. And they're always there. You just don't see them because you're up here on La La Land in that excitement. Man, I dated this guy. We're going to go see this movie. I dated this girl. We were holding hands. And, and, you're, and, you're, and you're thinking with your cognitive mindset, which we use less than 5% of, of every day. Look it up. We use our cognitive thinking, our awareness, less than 5% every day. And then we marry the subconscious. I had a client, right? She came back. She went on a honeymoon with this gentleman and she said, her husband, she goes, I don't know who this guy is who I married. I said, what are you talking about? I never knew he smoked. They went on a cruise for their honeymoon. They dated for three to six months, same time frame, and she never knew that he smoked. Think about that. So take time to slow down. Love is a beautiful thing. And I say this to all the men and women out there is that give yourself time to know the person and be, put them in a situation and, and not to be mean or ugly, but you want to know who you're talking to. You want to know because you're, you're worth it, right? Something that, something that one of the speakers said is you matter. You're worth the investment and you are worthy and able. You're a child of the most high God and God did not give you the God did not put you here to live mediocre. God put you here to thrive and to, to give you a partner to be happy with. But, you, but the word of God also says this, right? The word of God also says this is if you lack wisdom, ask. Ask for wisdom. So put that person, whoever it may be, put them under a stressful situation. Put them under, right, right? Put it this way. We see it in some of these TV shows. They call it the stress test. Put that person that you're going to date that you want to marry under a stress test and take note. What are their instinctive behaviors? Because a person's instinctive behaviors will always come out under pressure. They'll always come out under stress. And you'll know what type of person you're dealing with at that point. Because you are here for a reason. You're here for a purpose. And, and if you're a woman out there listening to this right now, and you've been beaten and you've been torn down and you've been emotionally abused, just know that God is there. If you feel that you're not worthy and deserving, I want you to write this down right now. Say this with me. I am worthy and I am deserving because you are worthy and deserving of God's love. And we all, a lot of us have children that are watching this right now. And just the way you as a parent, you as a mother or a father would do anything, anything for your parent, anything for your child, anything for your son or daughter, you're God's daughter and he would do anything for you. So don't let the shame, don't let the guilt keep you from reaching out to the father who was right there in heaven, wanting to help you, wanting to take hold of you, wanting to give you a big hug because you're loved.
This is Daniel Gomez Inspires. I love you. And if you need prayer, if you need anything, please message me directly. I'd be more than glad to pray with you and let you know that you do matter in this world. Thank you, Daniel. We appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Great to see you. Elizabeth Bull, you are here. Welcome. I introduced you earlier. Thank you, you for joining us tonight. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. I'm just going to hop right in with my story. Um, I was 18 and it was my wedding night and I was in so much pain. I wanted to die. Every part of my body was hurting and bruised and that was bad enough, but the shame and the humiliation was worse. The self-judgment was worse. How the hell had I gotten myself into this mess? And how could I get out of it? I, I, was, I was in disbelief that this was even happening to me because I didn't grow up in an environment like this. We didn't hit each other or yell at each other. I had married a monster. I had somehow latched onto a Jekyll and Hyde. And I knew that the wedding had been a, a big financial burden to my family. And how could I disappoint them by telling them that my marriage was a big mistake and a failure from day one? and that I wanted out. And this was 1965. Divorce was difficult, but more than that, it was shameful. It was really shameful. It was not done. To be a divorcee was to be damaged goods. So I felt trapped. The thing about physical violence and emotional abuse, I can tell you as a medical intuitive and a master healer in a number of modalities, is that it affects your brain your entire nervous system. When you are in fight, flight, and freeze mode, your ability to think and reason goes out the window. And it was in this condition that I started my freshman year in college. And I judged myself for struggling. <laughs> what was wrong with me? You know, how could I go from being, you know, honor student to dumb as a post? The day my German professor confronted me about bruises, I found myself lying. I said I'd fallen on some furniture, pretty lame. And I was lying all the time to cover up, it seemed. I had really become unrecognizable to myself. The final straw, the final straw was the beating I got when, I, when my husband saw me talking to my black friend, Wally Gator, who is now Dr. Wally Gator, and we're still friends 50 years later. Thank you very much. No wife of mine is gonna be seen talking to a nigger, he says, and he smacked me. I mean, it's like, boom, and that was not the end of it. It got worse. It got worse. But that did it. He'd been critical of how I looked, how I cooked, how I dressed, how I was in bed. But I said, no, he is not, not going to control who I speak to or what I thought. No way. And after that, I went into survival mode, waiting for the day when he was going to finally ship to Vietnam, which had been the impetus for the wedding in the first place. I prayed I'd become a widow. I literally did. I prayed I'd become a widow. Didn't happen. As his return became closer, I lost more and more sleep and I developed more physical symptoms. There was no more denying that I had to do the D-I-V-O-R-C-E because that's what they said back then. You didn't say the word out loud, you spelled it. So I confessed the truth of what had been happening to my parents. I was so ashamed, I was so humiliated. I felt like such a failure and a loser, but I was lucky my parents were somewhat supportive. They weren't thrilled. I mean, it was a divorce for God's sake. 
and like I said, back in those days, it just, it wasn't easy. You had, to, you had to go through hoops, serious hoops. And he fought it. This guy fought it. He accused me of having had an affair and being pregnant by another man. And there were just, you know, depositions and all that. I felt like I was on trial. It was humiliating in retrospect, but I went through with it. It all happened. And, you know, I'm here to tell the story X number of years later. And in retrospect, I realized that there had been signs. There had been signs. But I had valued looking good over feeling good. That was really the bottom line. You know, what were people going to think? What were they going to say? What were people going to think of me? What were they going to think of my family? It has taken me years to get over the trauma of that relationship and what happened. And as a master healer and medical intuitive, most of my work now quite honestly, involves helping women, for the most part, get over this kind of shock and trauma from abuse of one sort or another. Um, what's great about the modalities that I use is that I save people years of therapy, years. And I, you know, I went, I spent years in therapy. And when I discovered uh, energy healing, I realized that there was another way, a more powerful way, a more affordable way. And it is my pleasure to do that now. And in my book on diet-free weight loss, because that is a specialty of mine, um, I have discovered, I speak about abuse and the role that it plays in obesity. It is a major, major factor in obesity. And people lose sight of that fact. They don't even realize that it's, it's part of the package. So I just feel like I need to mention that because very often there's a double whammy there because women, especially who are having trouble with weight, who are struggling with weight, um, that's the underpinning right there. And they're judged twice. So they're abused basically by all that judgment and from the abuse that they suffered from the get-go. No fair. So I'm, my mission in life is to fix all that. Uh, and I'm very fortunate and my clients are fortunate in that I am a distance healer. I do all my work on the phone. So we can do it from front of your own home. You don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to travel anywhere. So that's my story. I'm sticking to it. My mission in life really is that no woman goes to her grave still ashamed of her body. Thank you, Liz. My pleasure. Thank you so much, Liz. Great, great information. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Our next Our speaker up here is Erica Castro. Erica, you are a teacher. Oh, my goodness. With COVID-19 and all of that, thank you so much for all that you do. You're a teacher at MUSD. Welcome, and we can't wait to hear your story. Hi, can you guys hear me? Yes. Hi, my name is Erica Castro and um, so grateful to be here. I wanna thank everybody for speaking out and you know, touching the lives of the people that really need this. Um, I was in two uh, relationships that were violent. In early years in my college year, I was with a, um, a boy who was very abusive and it took me two years to leave. Um, before that, I hadn't, had a long relationship and it's so weird how sometimes you stay in the harder ones you know 
I was so afraid to leave. And when I did leave him, he stalked me for a little bit. Uh, but eventually he left me alone. Um, my plan of attack before he left me alone was to move because I felt so insecure and unsafe. Um, and then because I repeated a pattern, I think um, one of the other speakers talked about a picker. I ended up with in an abusive relationship. Um, but um, when it came, when he crossed the line to domestic violence, I was pregnant five months and uh, he came home drunk and he hit me and then threw me against the crib. Um, but it was a blessing because I was staying at a friend's house. Um, she was like a mother figure to me and she called the police. And I was like one of those women on cops begging the police not to take him. But that's how sick I was at that point in my life. You know, I didn't want him to go to jail, but um, I made a deal with the police officer. I said, if he leaves and he doesn't come back, he, would, he wasn't gonna arrest him, but he came back and he was arrested. And I'm so glad he was arrested because that was the first and last, last time he ever touched me. Um, but I saw from everything else, the cheating, the verbal abuse, you're not good enough. Um, you know, it was a very difficult relationship and it took me years to leave as a matter of fact, um, to end it, it was in 2014. Um, and it was very, very difficult. And even still after everything, I still wanted to stay, but I gotta say, you have to let go. Because when you let go, you don't know the beauty that can come. And you have to work on yourself. Because my biggest wake up call was when I first started dating, the first guy that I was dating was a replica of my ex-husband. And I was like, oh no, this can't be happening to me again. And so that was my wake up call that it wasn't necessarily my abusers, it was also me. And we always ask why? It's because it's familiar. You know, I grew up in an alcoholic home. My mother died when I was five. It was normal. It was home. It was, it was this, this niceness. I couldn't be with, with nice guys. It was, it was difficult for me to accept love. And, you know, love is not only about giving, it's about receiving. So I finally met, um, and I had to reprogram my brain, um, the man of my life. Hmm. Erica, she's frozen. Yeah. Oh, things for you to think about. One, um, you have to um, adult your inner child. You know, as a child, I was I didn't have adults that protected me, but I can stand up for me now. I can protect <laughs> that girl inside me and show her that it's okay to be scared because I'm gonna be there to protect her. Another thing is one good day can erase all the bad. So what would happen with my ex-husband is that I would have a good weekend and I would hope that the rest of the month was good. What I had to do is have a, a, a calendar to say, am I happy today? Am I sad today? Because I realized when I did that, I was miserable 25 days out of the month. So I, I had to like, really look at the situation for what it was. And it was very difficult. It was very challenging, but it was the biggest blessing of my life because there's no way I would have what I have today had I not 
courage to, to leave. So I want to end with these things. Um, think of your children. Children do 90% of what you do and only 10% of what you say. And if your daughter or son was suffering with domestic violence, what would you say to them? So say that to yourself. And if you can't leave for, for you, leave for them. And if you can't leave for them, leave for the women who come behind us, who will suffer from domestic violence, but can leave because you did and you inspired them to do so. Thank you. Thank you, Erica. Thank you, Erica, very much. Congratulations on your journey. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Proud of you. Next, it's my honor, Lakeisha. You have been our virtual assistant tonight. <laughs> and your bio is so long. I am like, oh my goodness. You've done so many incredible, powerful things. And you are our next speaker. <laughs> and tonight, uh, just a highlight, you are the event planner. Lakeisha is a powerhouse corporate event planner set designer, mentor, author, Atlanta chapter leader of World Women Conference and Awards. Man, share your story with us, girl. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, ladies. Thank you guys so much for sharing your story. I know all of us have a story. Um, my story start 13 years ago. My, I was in eighth grade and I started dating this guy. I was in love with him. That was my first real boyfriend. And I'm not sure exactly when the dating violence started, but it started. I'm not sure how it happened, why it happened, but it happened. And of course, I grew up in a two-parent household. I've never seen domestic violence. I've never seen any type of abuse. But for some reason, my very first relationship was a violent relationship. He would beat me. Um, I couldn't go to school. I would lie about it. Um, And of course, I would stay because he told me if I left him, that he would kill me. So I stayed in this relationship for four years. We would be at school. He'll see me talking to another guy. He will slap me. It was several occasions where he beat up guys because they were talking to me. He was just very possessive. And I learned over the years, me going through that, that trauma when I was 13 years old, it actually had an impact on how I am now. I'm a woman and I am a control freak. I vowed to myself when I was in that situation that every, every situation in my life that I'll be able to control. I felt like that I had control because at that time I did not have control. And it really dawned on me two years ago. And I was almost in a deep depression almost two years ago. And God spoke to me and he was just telling me, you know, that I needed to make a change because I was so, I have a dominant personality, very strong headed. And of course my dominant personality has caused me many failed relationships because I was that control freak. And I vowed to myself, I said, I don't want to be like that. I want to have a very happy relationship. I want to marry my best friend. I want to be a wife and not the man because God chose me to be a woman. So my giveaway to everyone that's listening is do not allow your past to impact who you are, where you're going. We're all someone, we all matter. Do not allow someone to control your life or manipulate you in any way because we can think for ourselves. And that's my takeaway. Um, thank you guys for listening to my story. And I haven't shared my story before. This is kind of like my first time sharing my story. And it's a healing for me. This is just a, another process for me to get to my healing. And I hope my story helps the next person to share their story. Thank you, Lakeisha. Thank you, Lakeisha. Man, 
You women are inspiring me so much. Every single one of you. I celebrate you. Ugh, just the power. Purple is a love color, right? That's why it's the love color here tonight. Um, our next speaker, Linda Constant. Thank you very much for joining us tonight. Domestic violence advocate and professional photographer. And before she became a photographer, she owned her own beauty salon for 18 years. And she worked for a cosmetic surgeon as a bookkeeper. Uh, at the same time, she worked for a software company and providing technical support. Uh, she moved to Florida. She has an associates in real estate licensing. Uh, and before COVID, she was a home-based travel agent. So now we welcome her. I can't wait to hear your story. And I want to hear about this honorable mention at the Cable Facts Awards. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. Hope oh, you're on mute still. Oh, there, there go. you go. Thank you, Gigi, for having me. Uh, my name is Linda Constant, and I have three children, four grandchildren, and as she said, I'm a professional photographer with a bachelor's degree in fine arts. Um, I lived in Florida and Massachusetts my whole life. I was 51 years old when I moved to Florida. And uh, two years later, after we had renovated our house, um, I was 53 and he would start picking arguments. I didn't realize it at the time and I didn't know it at the time, but he was bipolar. And this is what caused him to be this way. It just gradually, you know, got worse and worse. Um, I asked him for a divorce because we were arguing all the time. He would complain about the lights bothering his eyes. And apparently that is one of the bipolar things that when you have bipolar. Uh, noise bothered him. Um, if I made a cup of tea, it was too noisy. Um, so, and, and, and I had to apologize for nothing. If we got into an argument, I had to apologize. So he would take me dancing or he would take me out to dinner. And I had to say, I was sorry. I don't know what for, but I would apologize anyway. Well, one night um, we had gone out to dinner and he said to me, this is probably gonna be the last time we're gonna have dinner together. And of course I couldn't understand that statement, but I found out soon enough when we got home, um, we were playing cards, uh, we finished the game. I had gotten the laundry out of the dryer and he came walking out of the bedroom with a noose. He had made a hangman's noose and he put it around my neck and he started pulling it and I started fighting. And uh, when he did, he punched me right here. And it was, the punch was so bad that it opened right up and it started bleeding. Um, I couldn't fight, I'm not a strong person. I fell to the ground and he pulled on that noose until I blacked out. Well, he must've thought I was dead because I came to and he picked me up, he carried me to the bedroom. He had my pantyhose tied to the bed and he tied my legs and my feet to the bed so I couldn't get up. Then he sat on my chest and he started hitting me in the face. He had a little pocket knife that he would start cutting my face, not deep, just little scratches. And he did that from 10, nine or 10 o'clock at night until four o'clock in the morning. He told me that he, would, well, he wanted to know why I wasn't screaming. And it was summertime, the air conditioner was on. Who's gonna hear me? So I told him I must be in shock, but I kept praying, please God, let me say the right thing so I can live. 
And I said that the entire time. Then uh, he pulled out a gun that he had gotten from his neighbor who used to be a cop. He had a 22. He put it right here to my nose and he pulled the trigger. Luckily, he didn't have the clip in it. So then after a while, cause I'm all out of it, he wanted me to take the gun and shoot him. And I said, no, I don't want you to die. Please, I don't want you to die. But I realized after a long, long time, the reason if I had pulled that trigger, he would have said, see, you want me dead. And he would have put the clip in and shot me. He was waiting until seven o'clock in the morning so that he could kill me and kill himself. So our neighbor would find us at eight o'clock in the morning dead. So he had a sock all wrapped up with duct tape. He was gonna stick that in my mouth if I, hadn't, if I was gonna scream. He, put, he was gonna put the duct tape over my mouth. He was gonna put me in the trunk of my car, put me across the street into the neighbor's garage because they were away on vacation and he was watching the house. And, but because I didn't scream, he didn't do that. But he continually beat me up in my face. Blood was everywhere. It was in my eyes. He hit me so hard that my contact lens in my right eye flew out of my eye. So at three to four o'clock in the morning, I talked him out of killing me. I told him we can work this thing out. And so we laid down in the bed. Of course, I kept looking at him to make sure he wasn't going to do anything to me. And at seven o'clock in the morning, he got out of the car, out of the bedroom, he went into the other bedroom. And because I knew he was hard of hearing, I got up, I still had the same clothes, bloody clothes on that I had had all night. And I walked out the front door. And he came out and I was standing in the street, a car drove by and hi, what am I going to do? Right. So he said, Come on, Linda, get back in the house. I says, I can't, I can't go back in. And I, of course, my mind, when I'm in this kind of a thing, I don't get all, my mind starts working really strong. And I said, I'll tell you what, back the car out of the driveway, face it down the street. I need my purse because my contact lens prescription is in it. And let's go to Walmart because Walmart, you know, is open 24 hours a day. So he backed the car out, he faced it down the street. I got in and we started to drive to Walmart. Well, there's a cop on the side of the road. I wanted to jump out of the car, but of course he was going 45 miles an hour. I couldn't do that. So we got to Walmart and he said to me, Linda, give me the prescription, I'll go in. Thank God I'm not a liar. I opened up my purse, I gave him the, the uh, prescription. He went in and I watched him. And as he walked into the uh, door, you know, into the door of Walmart, he turned around and he looked at me and then he went back in. Well, as soon as he went back in, I opened up the car door and I ran to the other door. You know, Walmart always has two doors. And I ran into that. I ripped off my hat, took off my sunglasses and I said, my husband did this to me. I need your help. Well, this little girl, I only weighed at the time about 115 pounds and she was smaller than me. I stuck my face up this close to her. I just didn't want, I wanted to grab her. And I told her I needed help. So she called the sheriff. You know how they have those things on the shoulder? Well, she called the sheriff. My husband said to me, come on, Linda, let's go. Let's get out of here. And I said to him, I don't want to go with you. He says, why are you doing this to me? I said, I'm not doing anything to you. I just don't want to go with you. So he turned around and left. He went back to the house. The sheriff came, they drove, they arrested him, brought him to jail. He spent two days in jail. He told a guy that was with him what he had done 
and how he wanted to kill me with the gun. So apparently in Florida, it's a 10 year mandatory sentence if you point a gun at someone. So they released him on bond. Uh, he took his car, he went to a neighbor's house. We were supposed to go to court in 12 days. Well, in 10 days, he hung himself and committed suicide. So with all of this, his family was taking me to court to get everything away from me. And so I called up an attorney and I, I saw him. And the, the bottom line here is it took me two years to end this because I, it just had to end. I couldn't take it anymore. So he died, he was cremated. I gave his body to, to the people that live, you know, his family and they took him away. But I went to a psychiatrist. I do have PTSD. Now I'm fine as long as you don't attack me and say things to me. You'd never know I had it until uh, it wears its ugly head. And I saw a therapist. I went to therapy for several years. I cried for five or six years. I kept the bloody clothes. I kept the sheets. I kept all the pictures the police took of my face. And after 10 years, I had friends that said, Linda, you really need to throw these away. So I finally did get rid of them. And I've just been healing ever since. I was depressed for a long time. I have my dog who is around here somewhere who keeps me sane and keeps me from being depressed. So in all of this, I just want, I wrote something out here that I think is very important. I chose not to be a victim. No one has to be a victim unless they choose to be a victim. But the most important thing I want you to take away from my story is that you have to be strong. Don't let anyone abuse you, no matter who it is. This only happened to me once and I was not going to let it happen to me again. If they do it once, they will do it again. It's much easier to walk away after the first time it happens. The longer you let it go on, the harder it becomes to walk away. Don't live in fear, have courage, and take control of your life by not letting anyone control yours. You and only you are in control of your own destiny. Create your own story of courage and live a life full of happiness and joy. It has been 20 years since that happened to me. If I can help just one of you today, it will be worth it. I'm 72 years old, and I just want to thank you today for allowing me to tell my story. This is really the first time I've ever shared it with the world other than with Gigi the other day. So thank you so much. Thank you, Linda. Wow. Thank you. Linda. Thank you. Thank you. I just shivers and tears and everything to try to have empathy for what you must have gone through. It's just incredible. It lasted for six hours. Six hours I spent that way. And the only reason I got away is because I got up and walked out the front door. If I hadn't done that, I probably wouldn't be sitting here telling you my story. And that's why I want women to be powerful, take control of your life. Don't let other people try to dictate who you are and what you are going to be. You know, I, I quit my job and everything to come down here. I didn't get my bachelor's degree of fine arts until I was 62. I went back to college when I was 62 years old to get that degree. So if I can do this, anybody can do it. And I'm the first person, my mother and father went to school at, they graduated, they didn't ever graduate, they went to ninth grade. And I'm the first daughter that graduated college in my family. 
So if I can do it, anybody can do it, but just be strong. Don't let people walk all over you, you know? Lead your life and be who you want to be, not what somebody else tells you you have to be. So that's my take on this whole thing. So I want to thank you again. You're welcome, Linda. And thank you. Thank you thank so you. much. Wow. What a powerful evening this has been. Two full hours of survivors. And all of your stories are so important to the world. And maybe this is the first time that you've been sharing. Uh, what we have to remember is it all starts with us. The power that we have within ourselves to say, no longer, I am enough. I will no longer take this. And you can start to change from the inside. So I applaud all of you ladies tonight and men. Uh, very brave, very brave to share your stories here on this platform. And Gigi, thank you for creating this for everyone to be able to have a voice. You are an amazing woman that sees your future for pouring into others. So congratulations on a successful event tonight. Thank you, Melanie. And before we end here, I want to know if uh, Angelica has a few words she wants to say. I just want to say that that was powerful. And I just want to thank all the courageous uh, women and men that joined this panel today because your story will be able to encourage other people and touch other hearts so that they can step up and really embrace life because like many, your life is in danger. And for some of us, it might not, but emotionally you're going to be trained mm -hmm. so uh thank you Gigi this is an amazing uh event and the stories um these are untold stories that need to continue to be told mm -hmm. and written because somebody's waiting for this message uh so we encourage you to share to like because this is um on Facebook and you are the one that's going to help us to share and spread the message. So again, thank you, Gigi. And for those of you that want to go deeper and heal, join us and discover your inner healer that's coming up in, in December. And uh, again, thank you. Thank you so much for inviting me and being part of this panel. Melanie? So next, um, if you'd like to close Gigi, and then we're going to have a prayer from Lakeisha to close this out tonight. We thought that was really important. Mm -hmm. Yes. I want to say thank you all again for being here today. And thank you to our speakers and our sponsors. Now, after listening from amazing speakers today, you are truly aware that domestic violence is not just physical abuse. I'm sure of that now. Correct. <laughs> yes. And now domestic violence also, as everyone is aware now, includes emotional abuse and violence, financial abuse and violence, narcissistic behavior, PTSD, and domestic violence intersects with the LGBT community. Now, again, I encourage you to sign up for our domestic violence discussion group. And thank you all. I will share the link for the group in the chat. And I'll turn it back over to Lakeisha, and she'll end us off with a prayer for peace. Absolutely. Bar your heads. 
Father, in the name of Jesus, Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you, Father, for this day that you have made, and we're really sealing and rejoicing in it. We thank you right now, Father, for this platform that you share with um, Gigi, Father, for her to create, Father, all these amazing stories that needed to be told. We thank you right now for embedding in our heart, Father, to share our story, because we all have voices, Father, and everyone has a story. We thank you right now for the peace that you've given us, Father, by sharing our story. We thank you for the healing that you started in us, Father. We ask right now that you continue to uplift us. We're going to continue to exalt you. We're going to continue to lift your name on high. We thank you right now, Father, for ordering our footsteps on today. And Father, right now, we just pray for peace in our spirit, in our minds, and in our bodies. We just thank you right now, Father, for what you're giving us on today, Father. And we're going to command our day. We're not going to allow the devil to take our voice any longer. We're going to command right now in the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you right now, Father, for this platform and all these women and men that have shared their stories on tonight. We're going to continue to do we're going to continue to pray, and we're going to continue to use our voices, and we're going to continue to reach out to the community, Father. We thank you right now for the peace that you've given us, Father. We're going to give you all the honor, the praise, and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you. Amen. Thank you, everyone, for attending today. And that, that is the end of the event. I truly appreciate all of you. And this continues in the discussion group on Facebook. Thank you all and God bless you.